everyone. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And you're listening to A Date with Dateline. Hooray! Hooray! Are you as excited as we are? I'm just kidding. We're super excited. We are. This episode is going to be really fun to talk about. It's a rerun because we already covered last Friday's episode, The Pink Gun Mystery. So you can find that in our archives. Warning, our opinions may have changed. I was watching it and thinking I probably totally misjudged the girl in it. So, which sounds like me. It does. But I'm trying to be better. So I picked this episode, The Disappearance of Debbie Hawk, because Father's Day is coming up. And (laughs) I wanted to honor the best dad we've ever seen on Dateline. No, we want everybody to feel better about their dads by watching this dad. There you go. This is going to make you feel very strong, positive feelings towards your own dad, hopefully. Yeah, we have a dad with a robust almost aggressively bushy mustache. It's so in your face, on his face. Almost faux. I want to say faux stash because if you were going to buy a pack of mustaches and pick one to like wear if you were... It's a very aggressive Freddie Mercury that looks Mm -hmm. like you stuck it on. It's so down, combed down, down, dour. It's like the mustache is constantly doing a downward dog pose in yoga. Or just constantly frowning. Or he's constantly frowning. But he smirks sometimes. He also smirks. He has two facial expressions, this man. One is Debbie Downer and one is Cheshire Cat's smirk. It's a mustache that screams, I'm better than you. Yes. It's a mustache that screams... That's what he thinks it's portraying. Someone once told me I look like Tom Selleck, and so I've decided to never change it. I'm sorry. He looks so much like my elementary school principal that it's hard for me to kind of get (laughs) around it. I can't kind of quite unsee it now. And so, yeah. I would love for you to find a photo online. So Disappearance of Debbie Hawk, Season 18, Episode 55, July 19th, 2010, I want to thank Amber for recommending this episode due to the combative, combative interview with Keith Morrison, who may have recently given up caffeine or drank too much. Not sure what's going on with him, but he is lit, hyped, amped, cranky. Yeah, he does not like this man. Yeah. And this man does not like Keith. No, it is a mutual distaste for each other. Correct. And it's. Amazing. It's one of the best interviews we've ever seen on Dateline. It's surprising. It's surprising. It's surprising. It's surprising. We are in 2006, Hanford, California. Katie, tell us about Hanford, California. No. (laughs) I don't know much about it, except that I was born there. And it's right next door to the town I grew up. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of dairy farms. Smells like cows and sometimes eggs. It's a not a that small of a town, but it has an extremely small town mentality, which we hear over and over again in this episode. Just mark off small town gossip mill on your card right now because you're going to hear it 40 times. My two college roommates grew up in Hanford and they would constantly get calls from their mom in college announcing who that they went to high school with was pregnant. And it seems right. After college, Robin got a call from her mom to inform her that someone she went to high school with became a grandfather at the age of 30. Nothing wrong with that. Mm. Different strokes for different folks. That's fine. There's nothing to do. It's cow tipping or like driving out to the orchard to do question mark. Usually do it. That's what you did. There wasn't a lot going on. 
is a shame. <laughs> it is a get shame. Get these kids a bowling alley. So they're coming up in the world. They're trying things in, in that area right now. Good good luck to you. I'm I was pleasantly surprised at my high school reunion by all the advancements. So things that's are good. happening. Yeah. So one day in 2006, mom, Debbie Hawk, didn't pick up her kids from their dad's house. They were divorced. So he dropped them off and they let themselves in and there was blood everywhere and mom is missing. Conrad, the son, was 15. Chelsea, not Chelsea, was 14. Savannah was 10. The place was a mess. Drawers were open. Debbie's missing. There's drag marks. Her car is gone. We meet the two detectives on the case. Both have fake names. Darren Matheson and Erend LeBlue. Erend LeBlue. Erend? Spelled Aaron. A-R-E-N-D. Maybe Arend. Did his mom get pregnant when she was out running an errand in quotes? <laughs> I gotta do take care of an errand. And then hence he was conceived. I I was fine with the detectives. One of them is fascinating facial hair, but nothing like the dad stash we have going on. But it was intense, right? There's manscaping. Pristine, sharp line of white facial hair. Yeah. Precise. If you know if he has a precise eye for crime, because he has a precise eye for that facial hair. That's how he's spotting the clues, the same way he's individually plucking the straight line edge of his facial hair. Honestly, if he showed up to solve my mom's murder, I would feel instantly relieved. I'd be like, okay. Check out his facial hair. Good. Going to take care of this. Yeah. Although these kids have been raised with their dad's mustache, so I feel like their facial hair recognition software is on the fritz due to no fault of their own. It's just how they were raised. So the night before, the neighbors of Debbie Hawk had heard noises and a scream, a blood-curdling scream, yet no one called 911 because, as the detective says, this wasn't the type of neighborhood where bad things happen. Wouldn't that make you more likely to call the police? Thank you very much. If you heard a blood-curdling scream in the middle of the night? Yes, absolutely. Also, why are only two things curdled? Milk? And blood. Who came up with that? I don't know. Blood curdling scream. I know. Debbie was a pharmaceutical sales rep. And Chelsea says that she walked into a room and it brightened, which is I'm not going to split hairs here, split facial hairs. That is fine for smile lit up a room. Absolutely. Mark it off your cards. It's fine. Her sister says she was the life of the party. So now we have life of the party and lit up a room. Her friends say she was royalty to them. She was regal. She looks kind of like Bette Midler in one of these photos, like a glam shot. Really does. Okay, did you think like me that these four friends, we get the interview of the four friends in like a quad. There's like two up high, two down low. Yeah, I love that. I think we're going to keep hearing from them throughout. No, they're gone. No, ma'am. They are, they're in and gone. And the one line, one of the friends gets one line, which is she should have been a Kennedy. And like, that's it. She should have been a Kennedy. That's the line they get. And I was like, are they talking bad about her? Is this was that shade? No, because I think it kind of sounds no. like, are you sure? Mm, I couldn't tell. They do say she's like a princess, but I think they meant it in a good way. She was their queen. She was glamorous for Hampshire. So we didn't like her. No, I think they liked her. Okay, but you see what I'm saying, that this can also go the way of she thought she was very grand. It's very, 
you have the more experience of Hanford, so I'm going to give this to you on this one. I'm going to say a tweak of the tone of voice of the things they were saying, and this could be very shady because they were talking about her. They're using a lot of grand language for her. And I'm like, just say that she was cool and that she was, you know, extra special. You don't have to say, I don't know. I think could have been a Kennedy was high praise because they meant the John John side of the family and not, I don't know, the the bad ones. See, and I feel like if she had said she could have been a Kennedy, that was nice. But I think her saying she should have been a Kennedy. Oh, it's the should and the could. She said should. Interesting. So it's like she was a little big for her britches here. Interesting. Which is a good thing or kind of a shady thing. I don't know. It just... We get a good picture of her, but I just feel like we could have heard a few more sentences from the friends. Yeah. And especially they set up those chairs on two different levels. So multi-level chair setting up one shot. That's a lot of work. I was like scribbling, trying to get their names. And then I was like, oh, my God. Okay, well, I guess not. doesn't matter. Because she was royalty to them, the ribbons all over town were royal purple. It's purple's royal color. Is that why? Or was that her favorite color? I don't know. That's what Keith said. I feel like that was just her favorite color. There was an $80,000 reward for information about her disappearance. And Keith says the people who put the ribbons on and up also participated in the search party to find her. I don't know why it struck me as so funny, the way he emphasized and up. They put ribbons up and on themselves. Did he show one high on a pole? (laughs) If they had done one really high on a ladder, like a B-roll shot of someone climbing really high on a tree. Of like someone climbing up on a like telephone pole, like doing the little rungs. I would have enjoyed that. So two days later, they find her van in a high crime area of Fresno. And the drug samples she kept in her car because she was pharmaceutical sales rep, medications for nasal allergies and asthma were missing. I confess, some nights I cannot sleep because my nostrils... I can't breathe through either of them. And I had to do what I get the surgery. (laughs) I don't get the surgery. I might. I don't know even know if it'll help. This needs to happen. 2021. The doctor didn't even know if it would help. She honestly said she didn't even know if it would help. I'm going to need the email and phone number of your doctor. Okay, that's fine. So the windows of the van are down. The key is in the ignition. The license plate has been replaced with, with a stolen plate. So basically, they they dropped this van with the keys in the ignition. They wanted it to be stolen to blame the murder on whoever was caught stealing this van. And people in Fresno that are looking to steal cars are not looking to steal mom vans. This was a minivan, folks. Nobody wants it. No one's stealing it in Fresno. Like, that's sad. That is, that is sad. Keith said... Oh, and one more thing. The back seat was covered with blood. Like it was just an afterthought. Super casual. Oh, I forgot to tell you guys. Backseat blood. Around town, people were already blaming one person. Keith said, suspicion runs fast. The truth dawdles along. Has (laughs) it arrived even now? Which I love this expression. I've not heard this. Suspicion runs fast. The truth dawdles along. But then I did not like, has it arrived even now? Because that made me think we weren't going to get an answer. And I don't like that. Oh, yeah. I was getting nervous. But we do get an answer. 
The case turns into a homicide, even with no body. They declare that she's probably dead. She was set up on a blind date with Dave Hawk, who is the most daddest looking dad I've ever dadded, except with this super aggressive mustache. He also has no personality. He talks like a robot. Not a single dad joke does he make. He is a dad joke. He is. I was like, you, sir, have the audacity to have that mustache. And wear those shorts. And dress in standard dad core uniform and not make a single dad joke. We first see his B-roll basically of him. The entire episode is walking in a yellow polo shirt, khaki shorts. And I started to keep a khaki shorts count. Because we got so many. Oh, that's great. Because I started to keep a polo shirt count. So we're good. Perfect. He is dadcore and white tennis shoes with white socks. Tucked in. Sorry. The shirt is tucked in. Yes, sure. Oh, of course. Also, he's kind of trim. He is. Okay. Google a picture of Rooster from Annie. And that's what we're looking at. Oh, wow. That's a deep pull, but I like it. Mm hmm. Said, but wasn't that Tim Curry? Unfortunately, I didn't mention that because I was hoping people would forget that because I don't want to besmirch the name of Tim Curry, who is beloved. Yeah. Yeah. So don't he, get strung out. <laughs> Dave says she was a firecracker. She was short and attractive and a lot of fun and a pretty good sense of humor. I didn't like the way he said and a lot of fun. I was like, change your tone. I don't like anything that he's saying she was short yeah i don't like and attractive tone. i didn't like pretty good sense of humor what in comparison to yours dave he doesn't really have anything to be joking about you might be more annoyed if he was trying to tell jokes to be fair i don't think he has a personality i think he might be a robot i think he has one i think it's just incredibly unlikable yeah i think he's one of the most unlikable people we've ever seen on Dateline. I said that. I wrote that down. I was like, this might be the most unlikable. Like, he's 10 out of 10 on the unlikable scale. Yeah. He might be a murderer, but forget that. He's just a grade A jerk. Yeah. Like, at least be nice about it. I wouldn't want to be at a barbecue that he was also at. I wouldn't want to get stuck in a conversation with him. So I would probably just not go if he was going to be there. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I have social anxiety. I probably won't go anyways. But if I knew he was going to be there, I definitely wouldn't go. So they got married. They built a home on his family's almond grove, which I was hoping would play a bigger part in this, but it did not. Oh, it does. Because the picture we see over and over again is him standing in front of an almond truck in the same yellow polos, which makes me think he has multiple. Were those almonds in that truck? <laughs> because they looked like, I couldn't tell, popcorn, pistachios, almonds make the most sense. They looked kind of like pistachios to me. But he also is wearing the same yellow polo, which makes me think he has multiples. He bought a three pack and they're crisp, nary a sting. I feel like at a barbecue, he would not eat the ribs because he's watching his figure. But also he doesn't want it to get caught in his mustache. And also he doesn't want it to stain his polo. I feel like he insists on being the grill master. Insists, yes. And then isn't that great at it? Right. But thinks he's the best at it. And then also, as he's serving you a burger, says something along the lines of, I thought you were dieting. <gasps> Dave. Can you see it? Can you see it? I can see it. Because he's trim, so he's going to make comments about your physical fitness. Okay, Dave. No. I, have, I hate you even more now after you have said this hypothetical thing that Katie made up that you said. <laughs> so... They get married. They build a 
home on the family's almond grove. Debbie's sister thought he was too quiet for Debbie. He is quiet. But when he speaks, it is not worth listening to. They have three kids. They would fight a lot. And after nine years of marriage, it falls apart. In 2000, they got a divorce and they couldn't talk to each other. And Chelsea was the mediator. And Keith is like, that's tough for a kid. It is. That's not fair. Debbie was happier, though, being divorced. She was successful at work. She bought herself a house for her and the kids. But there were issues. And that is putting it mildly. Once he tried to choke her and she said he looked at her like he was a crazed animal. At least he was showing some personality. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. No, terrible. She said to her sister, if anything ever happens to me, you know where to look. Danger. 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 Physical abuse. Never okay. Dave says it never happened. And this is where we see the first of many smirks as he's talking to Keith. This smug smile when he says, I've never choked anybody. Why are you smiling like the Cheshire cat? Do you have a mouse caught in your mustache? Why does your mustache look like that in the 2000s? What is your top lip? What are you hiding? Wart? Herpes? Multiples? I don't even know. I don't know either. I just, I do need to know. Maybe he has like Voldemort's head, like Quirrell from Harry Potter on his top lip. I wouldn't be surprised. I've never seen this statement. I've never choked anybody. I've never seen something feel so not true. It's not like you even have a question for a second. Yeah. Oh, maybe he didn't. He, it's not the husband this time. You know, immediately he did it. It's chilling the way he's smiling. It's blood curdling. When he says he's smiling, I've never choked anybody. Yes, you definitely have. Also, this is the first time, and we'll hear it later a lot in the interview with Keith. I am not a linguist, but there's a way he talks about Debbie that is very third person removed. He never calls her by name. He never refers to her. He says like it. He says anybody, some anything. He's, it's always very removed, which is very suspect. I feel like that's incredibly insulting. It is. This is the mother of your three children, your wife. Right. And he's like trying to make her not even a person. Yeah. Like she never existed in his orbit. But You're... it's almost the way killers lie. They lie by kind of vaguing the truth where they'll say, I wouldn't do something like that. It's like a serial killer type thing. I wouldn't do something like that. Not I didn't do something. Can you see me doing something like that? Yeah. Can you see? Yeah. Can you picture me doing something like that? Do you think I killed her? Just say you didn't do it. So Conrad heard his dad say things during the heat of the divorce and even after the divorce saying Debbie's going to get hers. She's going to get what's coming to her. She's going to get a taste of her own medicine, which is a weird thing to say about someone who's a pharmaceutical rep. She'd get a taste for her own allergy medicine. The very night that she went missing, Conrad, who's 16, says to the police, my dad might have done this right away. Oof. Police call Dave at 2 a.m. that night and say, we need you to come down to talk to us. And Dave doesn't ask why. What happened? Is my family okay? Okay. And Keith is doing the two fingers on his lips pose here. Because he's so concerned by this. Yeah, it's not okay. I mean, it's the first thing should be out of his mouth is what's happening. Yeah. Are my kids okay? 
What's happening? Right. So he comes into the police station and he's like, what's going on? Just so casual. So casual. Red polo. He's wearing red polo with emblem on the shirt and khaki count number two. Card khaki shorts. So polo two for two. Khaki two for two. Khaki short two for two. The police say, I got to tell you, we don't know where Debbie is. And Dave is like, well, I can tell you what's been going on the past week. Dave. Just no emotion. No questions. I'll help. And, you know, I'll help. He's like a robot who is not in touch with his feelings. He might be better in touch with his emotions with BetterHelp. Yes. BetterHelp can provide you with a licensed therapist in the privacy of your own home. You can start communicating with a therapist in under 24 hours, fast enough to avert any facial hair midlife crisis. You can schedule weekly video or phone sessions, but you can also send a message to your counselor at any time. Like, I'm thinking of growing a Tom Selleck in hopes that people will think I have an actual personality. (laughs) So many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states, like Central California. BetterHelp has counselors specialized in all kinds of issues like depression, anxiety, sleeping problems, LGBTQ plus issues, divorce issues, parenting issues, problems with your children, problems with your parents all of the family issues that arise in this dateline. <laughs> if you're struggling with any of these or just general life problems like we all have, like seriously, we all do, right? It's not just me. We all have life problems. BetterHelp can help. It's easy. It's completely confidential. It's affordable. Contact them today. We want all of you to start living a happier life. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com forward slash dateline. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com forward slash Dateline. Wait until Keith and Dave get into a fight at the end of this episode. You're going to need a therapist to discuss it with. Let me try, because we can all use a little better help and facial hair. (laughs) Thank you, BetterHelp. We really appreciate it. So everyone get some help today. Thank you, BetterHelp. So Dave tells police he was home asleep when she must have been killed the night before. And his kids verify that he was at home that night. There's no DNA at the crime scene or fingerprints, no hair at the crime scene. And you know what that means. Do you know what that means? I'll give you one guess. That nobody has hair in that house? No. What does it mean? I think it means that he was wearing a mustache hairnet. Have you ever seen someone on a cooking show or like working in a factory and they have one of those beard hairnets that doesn't cover the hair at all? Like the hair is pushed up out on the sides more than it would have been if it was just allowed to flow free. I think he has designed some sort of mustache hairnet. I have never seen that. Will you Google beard hairnet? Because it is ridiculous how little of a lumber sexual beard that those things cover. It's like, what's the point? It's like if you were seeing a lot of people in Speedos at the beach who don't shave down there. And they're wearing a hairnet down there too? No. No. (laughs) Oh, okay. That's crazy. Because so much extra is getting pushed up out of the sides. Oh, I do not like this. I don't like any part of this. Are you seeing... 
No, I'm not. It almost feels like it's pointing a middle finger to the hair in the room. It's almost like I'm going to cover part of you, but there's going to be so much extra that is going to be rubbed up and probably falling out on the sides that I'm doing basically nothing. I feel like I could have gone my entire life without this information. I don't know why I had to know about this. I have enough going on. I don't need to know about about beard hairnets. Oh, brother. (laughs) But I may have just coined the first mustache hairnet. I don't know if there's a market for it. There is not. Okay. Well, I know I'm going to give you this because I have a lot of terrible ideas on this podcast. So you know why I think there's a market for it, Katie? Because how many people in law enforcement on Dateline do we see with mustaches? Oh, so you think while they're collecting forensic evidence? Exactly. They need to be. How about they just wear a mask? Yeah, I guess that could work. Is that isn't that typically just a that, that could mustache hairnet? So at this point, Keith is getting very animated and he's like to the detectives, you didn't find any DNA, hair, anything. I was like, Keith, take it down a notch because you still have the interview with Dave to come. So but I don't get it. I understand why he's incredulous, because there's people that live in that house. How did you find? Isn't it weird that you found no DNA? Yeah, that is weird. Did they just mean they didn't find any DNA they didn't expect to have there? I think that's what they mean. But was the ex-husband's hair there? I don't think so. And it would have had no reason to be because they did not really get along. So I don't think he was ever in that house. But it could have been on the kids stuff. That's a great point. So search parties continue for weeks. They still don't find anything. He has this alibi. The kids say he was at home that night. Chelsea says it couldn't be my dad. He was at home that night. And most importantly, the next day he wasn't acting weird at all. I don't know if she knows what she's looking for, because I think she is normalized her dad's mustache and behavior as normal. So I don't really trust her judgment. Again, no fault of her own. I feel bad. Yeah. Things begin to emerge that were curious, Keith says, but they were actually really incriminating and less curious. Dave took Debbie to court and she was fighting back. Her attorney's name, he's a large gentleman named Kim. There we go. Loved it. Love it. I've never seen that. Have I seen that? I have. I've seen it like a couple of times. I've seen a Leslie. I've seen a Lindsay. I've not. I don't know if I've seen a Kim. Is it short for Kimber? I don't know, but that would be amazing. It would. Sir, are you a Kimber? Are you a fellow Kimber? Because I'm a new Kimber. Kimbers are taken over. There you go. So he says that they were fighting over custody and Dave was acting asking for a reduction in the amount of child support he had to pay. So he was currently paying $550 a month, which does not seem like a lot to me for three children. No. But he claimed, right? I don't know much about child support, but that doesn't seem like a lot. He claimed he only earned, wait for it, $6,000 a year. A year. A year. And he says his salary came from his dad, who paid him $500 a month to work on his almond farm, which was his only income. So he is paid peanuts to work on that almond farm. And also under occupation, it's a laborer. So his dad wouldn't give him even a job like in the office. Or managing. That means that you are actually picking the almonds. That's your job. I don't buy that he was actually picking anything. I think his dad is just giving him a monthly salary. 
It's like an allowance. It's like an allowance. But the thing about Dave is he lives in a nice house and he has a nice car. So how is he affording all of this on $6,000 a year? Debbie was asking for more time with the kids and he wanted half custody. That's when another man got involved. Another man that was very important to the story. And his name is Morgan Stanley. (laughs) So the children had trust funds that were for their futures. And the money came from Dave's father, who owns this almond farm and is apparently very wealthy and also very forgiving of his son. So he created these trusts for the children and put Dave in charge of them. And Debbie was sure that Dave was stealing from the trust funds for himself. Spoiler alert, he most definitely was. Mm -hmm. And she knew that he was doing it because this was his second time. He had been caught with the first set of trust funds. A judge had caught his hand in the cookie jar. He had been taking money from those and had to be removed by the court from those trust funds. So only Debbie was in charge of those trust funds. But for some reason, his dad loves his baby mustachioed boy and gave him a second chance and gave him sole control of these new trust funds for the kids. And the thief's going to thief, scammer's going to scam. So he just kept doing it. And he started to live off the second trust. For five years, he was living on these trusts. He had stolen $300,000 of his children's money. Best dad in America. Wow. So he was saying that he was broke during this time and he couldn't pay all this child support. Meanwhile, he bought his girlfriend, Mary, because he has a girlfriend, because ladies love a mustache. He bought her a Lexus. He took her on vacation to Hawaii, where we see he has traded his polo for a muted toned Hawaiian print collared shirt, like even his Hawaiian print shirt is boring oh, and brother. khaki shorts number three. Yeah, but only a Hawaiian shirt because he's in Hawaii. He used $60,000 from these second pair of trusts to pay off divorce costs. And this is the best part to pay back the money he owed the children from stealing from the first trust. That's cheeky AF to steal money from the second set of trust to pay back the money you stole from the first set of trusts. Here's what I don't understand. Why is he not allowed to steal from the trust? He's not exactly stealing. They're trusts that he is managing, correct? No, because the money is specifically for the children, for like their futures, for their college when they turn 18. Who's coming after him for this? Debbie did because they're her kids too. Okay, but... Now who's coming after him for this? Well, the first was the courts. The court and the the judge found out that he was stealing and took his name off the first set of trusts. His dad has given him control of the second set of trusts. And Debbie is apparently going to expose all of this in court, which would give him motive for murder, as they say. Gotcha. So police search Dave's house They find a stun gun that he bought only a month before Debbie disappeared. Now, I love this stun gun story. He tells the police the stun gun was for home protection for his girlfriend and his daughters, 
who are, I'll remind you, 14 and 10 years old, which is the right age for stun gun accessibility. It's Hanford, Kimberly. It is. It's Hanford logic. There's like bears and coyotes. (laughs) This is a safety issue for Central Valley living. Okay, so the issue with that becomes he never discussed the stun gun with the girlfriend or the daughters. It was for a birthday slash Christmas present. It just he hadn't done it yet. He hadn't discussed it yet. It was a month. And so he bought it for their protection, but didn't tell them about it. They didn't even know it existed. I feel like he's putting up barriers for his children to survive, like in the Hunger Games. He's like, not only am I going to not teach you about this weapon, I'm not going to even tell you this weapon exists. So if you're attacked, you're going to need psychic abilities and natural talent to survive like the Hunger Games. Good luck. I've hit, he's like, I've hidden a weapon somewhere in this house. May the odds be ever in your favor. And then I'm releasing this cage full of badgers <laughs> yeah. that I found. Again with the badgers. They're rabid. And they're here for you and they're out for blood. You're so. so badger crazy lately. So Did you see them? Do you want a picture again? I'll email you some pictures. I'm good. Oh, apparently there's a badger state. Wisconsin is the badger state. Someone told me. Does that person live there? I think so. Do they have they seen one? I don't know. Could they send me me a picture? Yeah. So, (laughs) but don't you feel like that's like some like top chef? Like these are your mystery ingredients and there is a weapon hidden in this house. Good luck. Yeah, a little bit. One of you will survive. Like, I'm not going to tell you. May the odds be ever in your favor. Yeah. They couldn't find anything to prove it. The stun gun took part in the crime. But Keith says it was odd. Now, Keith doesn't just say odd. Keith says odd. It has like 15 syllables in it. It's like, it's odd. Odd. Yeah. Odd. Odd. I would pay to have Keith saying odd be my notification on my phone. So it'd be like, (laughs) odd. And I'd be like, oh, I have a text. Yeah, that'd be great. So they took his computers, and because he volunteered at church, did I mention he's a good Christian? Mark off sinning man of God on your bingo cards. They seized the church computers. I was hoping for something juicy. Nothing juicy comes of that. I thought sinning man of God had to be a preacher or a pastor. No, just a holy man. Are you changing the rules? No. I said man of God. Well, maybe I implied yeah, I your really voice got meant... real high when you said no. No, which means you're definitely lying. So I'm not hard and fast with these bingo rules. I got to say, I want people to win. I'm not hard and fast with these bingo rules until I am. And then <laughs> <laughs> until I randomly at random moments that I decide to be indignant. I until am. it seems like I might be wrong. <laughs> Absolutely not. Cannot be changed. So they, while they're searching Dave's house, they handcuff him outside. They're not arresting him. They're just handcuffing him. And the news is constantly outside his house now. And so they get this all on tape. So we see blue polo shirt and khaki shorts number four. So we're four for four, white tennis shoes and white socks as well. Okay. Then he appears on the news. He has changed into a pink polo shirt. And the camera doesn't pan down like they do with celebrities on the red carpet. But I feel confident 
that he's wearing khaki shorts number five, but I can't state with complete certainty. Does he only own polos and then that one Hawaiian shirt for vacations? He feels like it makes him look smart and classy, like a businessman. No, I think he's one of those people that are hard for me because they have a uniform and they won't change it because fashion is stupid. I'm kind of jealous of that. They don't have to put in any effort. It's like a wardrobe full of Superman costumes. You just pick one and go. I mean, he hasn't changed his hairstyle in how many years? I think he grew that mustache at 20 and we have that top lip has never seen the light of day. No, because one person in college said they liked it. And so he has never changed it. Or Tom Selleck, literally. He saw one episode of Magnum P.I. and that's that. And then does Magnum P.I. wear? He wears Hawaiian shirts, right? He does. Who wears polos? It's a great question. I do want to go back to your Freddie Mercury. I feel like if someone told him he looked like Freddie Mercury, he would be very offended because Freddie Mercury is too flamboyant and shows too much personality. That's a nice way to put that. Agreed. I I feel like he... I think we're skirting around an issue, but I agree with the issue you're skirting around. It rhymes with schmomophobe. Yes, definitely. I think that he would not enjoy being compared to the late, great Freddie, who's a genius. Incredible Freddie Mercury. He is more like Tom Selleck. So his hair is kind of stringy in this interview, like a little greasy, and his mustache is even more downward facing than normal. It's like droopy dog. And he's okay. So he's on the news and he's saying for the last time, no, I'm getting tired of answering that question. I did not. So they asked, did you kill your wife? No. For the last time? No, I'm not answering. I'm getting tired of answering that question. No means no. (laughs) And when this man says no means no, it actually makes you feel like he doesn't believe no means no. And it makes me very skeeved out. Yeah, it makes me sweat a little bit. Yeah. And then he says, but the fools at the Hanford Police Department are on a witch hunt. It's a witch hunt. Where have I heard that before? Who says who says what I heard witch hunt recently? I'm not placing it right now, but it gives me a bad feeling in my stomach. Hmm. Weird. Okay, press on. He just seems like a real a-hole. He's just really unpleasant and unlikable. I don't know how much I can state this. I wrote just an, uh, I literally wrote just an incredibly unpleasant person. And I wrote the most unlikable person I've seen in a while. I wrote, forget that he's a thief, a liar, a cheese, cheese. (laughs) and might be a murderer. He's a great A jerk. Yeah, agreed. So they don't have enough to arrest him. Why? I know. Conrad the son is sure that he's guilty. The night after Debbie went missing, Conrad saw his dad and his dad's girlfriend open a bottle of wine on the patio and they toasted and said cheers with cheese and crackers. Yeah, that seems weird. That That seems seems weird. Yeah. So Conrad, who's 15, thinks at the very least, my dad has really poor taste. We should say that Conrad's extremely well-spoken. He's an MVP. I do know something that's worth toasting, though. The fact that I am on level 1,803 on Best Fiends. You show off. I know. Best Fiends is a matching puzzle game that I'm healthily obsessed with. 
you actually need strategy to win and each level is different. So it's like you're zoning out while listening to true crime podcasts, but also challenging your brain. I was not feeling great recently and basically Best Fiends got me through. It was that feeling where like, you know, when everything feels huge, like you drop your fork on the floor and you have a mini breakdown because you can't handle the stress of getting a new fork. Oh, I know it well. And I'd be like, I must turn to Best Fiends. I must compete to Best Fiends level and I will feel better. And I was so proud of myself because I beat that level on the first try and my brain accomplished something great and all is right with the world. And I remember the five second rule and I used the same fork. Yeah. I love that they are constantly changing what you're trying to achieve. Like recently, you're trying to wake up these sleepy owls, which are tricky little jerks and confirm my theory that an owl killed Kathleen Peterson. (laughs) I love that because of the cute fiends that are bugs and insects and spiders, it might have helped with my arachnophobia because we just did a blood relatives episode where there was a tarantula and I didn't freak out more than a normal person would. No, you did fine. I did great. The spider on Best Fiends is named Terry, and he has a top hat and a cane and a substantial overbite that is very cute. It's like two rabbit teeth in front. And I also want to give a big shout out to our listeners on Twitter who have been telling me what level they're on. Shelly is on four. I don't know if she wants to get called out, but she's on level 4,610, which she didn't even know it went that high. Wow. And she's something called Elite 505, level 50. I don't even know what Elite is, Katie. I'm not Elite. I want that. I'm not. I want that. I want to be Elite, but I'm not even in that realm of being Elite yet. Also, Liz is on 4,396. Cindy is still pulling up the rear at 1,077, but I'm not being mean about it, Cindy. You're doing great. Hang in there, Cindy. You can do this. I'm super supportive. But we love the community of Best Fiends. We're all friends and like share, send each other little gifts, like coins and stuff. It's really fun. You should join the party. Anyone who hasn't played and thinks it's just a normal like puzzle matching game, they should just try it because it's really, really fun. So download five star rated puzzle game Best Fiends free today on the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. It's fiendishly fun. Oh, you're my best fiend. <laughs> Speaking of Freddy. Thank you, best fiend. Thank you, best fiends. So can I talk to you about care of, Katie? Can you? Yes, would, you may. I would like to. <laughs> yeah. But only if it's all right with you. Yes. Talk to me about it. I mean, I already love it. So I don't know what really you can tell me, but I'd like to hear. Care of vitamins and supplements mean high quality meets personalization clean ingredients backed by science. So first you take an in-depth online quiz. I love a quiz about your diet, your lifestyle, your health concerns to help you address your specific wellness goals. It takes just a few minutes. It's really easy. I don't want to speculate, but I would guess that if Dave took the quiz, he would state that his biggest concern is maintaining an almost aggressively bushy mustache. Yeah, You need sure. a lot of vitamins to grow facial hair that you could break a comb yeah correct i don't yeah that's it's too much it's too much you get these high quality products in the mail and they come in daily individually wrapped packets perfect for getting into a new routine studies show that it can take about 30 days to see the benefits of a new supplement routine so you have to be consistent kimberly it's easy with care of though care of makes it easy 
these little packs, you put it in your purse. So it's like, if you forget, it's right there. And then they have these dispensers that you put on your table or in your kitchen. And it makes it so much easier. And it comes delivered to your door every month. So it sets you up not to fail, basically. And I love that they're personalized. I'm thinking I need to change my name on care of to Kimber because Kimber likes different inspirational quotes than Kimberly does because each one says something funny, a joke or an inspirational quote. Also, I might retake the online quiz because maybe Kimber has different health goals than Kimberly. Well, there you go. Kimberly was all about just staying alive and Kimber is going to thrive. That's what there I'm feeling. There we go. So for 50% off your first care of order, go to takecareof.com and enter code date dateline 50. That's 50% off your first care of order by going to takecareof.com and entering code date dateline 50. Take care of you. Do it. <laughs> Thank you, care of. Take care now. Take care now. Take care now. Thank you, care of. So... Conrad keeps fighting with his dad. I'm guessing the f- fights are like, make your bed, you killed my mom, that sort of thing. So Child Protective Services takes Conrad away and puts him in foster care. That seems a bit drastic. He says that we had so many altercations, like I almost think they might have been having physical fights. And he says similar to what my mom went through. So basically violence in the home, violence in the home. But were there no other relatives that would have taken him? Well, we know that there are in a few minutes. So I have a lot of questions and Oliver was very worried. I'm super worried for Conrad. Yeah, we need some answers on this. Mary, the girlfriend, said that Dave had said it's not going to stop until that blank blank is dead. I think I don't know what that blank blank was. I kind of was thinking mother. Oh, it's an F word and a B word. Oh, okay. That makes more sense. Mary thought. That was really not hidden at all. (laughs) I still couldn't figure it out. So the police are like, so did you think he's going to kill her? And Mary says, oh, no, I just thought he meant this is going to go on forever. Not like he's going to do anything. Mary, Mary, quite condemnatory. That's really bad. That's really dumb, Mary. Everyone in town thinks it's obviously him, but the prosecutor isn't willing to charge him until they find her body or her body has more time to come up, as he puts it. Why? His name is Crouch, which much like the Crouch in Harry Potter, he's a stickler for the rules. That's what I'm feeling like. So instead, they are able to charge Dave with embezzlement. So he's charged with stealing more than $300,000 from his own children's trust funds. Great dad. Happy Father's Day. How is he? How are they able to charge him with that? Sorry, I got really hung up on this. Who's pressing charges? It's his own accounts. Well, it's his dad set up the accounts. Right. The state was the county, whatever, is able to charge him with embezzlement. But why? I think there was something in the terms of the agreement that he was it was not using it for what it was its intended purpose. That seems extremely hard to prove. You see what I'm saying, right? This seems like it seems like they were really trying to charge him. And so they charged him with embezzlement. But this seems like charges that aren't going to stick. 
It's possible, although he was charged with it already once before, so maybe... It just seems like this is a civil matter, not one that would be a county matter. I do get what you're saying. Like, it's if it's the dad's money, it would seem like it would be the dad that would have to charge him, and he's not charging him. I need law to call us for this, because I don't understand how he's getting charged with this. It seems like a reach. Am I wrong? Please tell me how I'm wrong. It's possible they just really want to charge him with something. Yeah, that's what it seems like. But it seems really obvious. He's taken into court wearing a striped green and white collared jumpsuit. Is that what they have in Hanford? That's intense. Yeah. Is that what Manson wore? I don't know. Sorry, Manson's in Hanford. Great question. All of the photos I've seen of Manson are in black and white. Okay. Yeah. He just only takes black and white photos, I think. It's like his chemistry, body chemistry changes the camera. That's how evil photographs. Yeah. yeah. There we go. So, but so this is not khaki shorts, but it's still a collared shirt of sorts, even though it's a jumpsuit and okay. he's it's in It's still preppy. Yeah. yeah, it's still preppy. He pleads not guilty and is released on bail. Now, he, when he's released on bail, he's wearing these white khaki pants mm-hmm. and a flowered collared shirt with Top Gun style sunglasses and he's strutting out of court like he thinks he's on Miami Vice. And that's also how I look when I beat a level on Best Fiends on my first try. He's so smug walking out of court. He loves to do a walk. He loves the cameras that are following him. Yeah, I think he does secretly like it. He pretends like he hates it, but loves it. Yeah, Yeah. he pretends, oh, they're following me again. He struts like he is in staying alive. It's too much. You're wearing chinos. You can't strut in chinos, man. <laughs> Get real over it. Conrad starts calling his dad Dave, which is a total F you, even though I call my parents by their first names all the time. But you do it as a joke. That's not right. You weren't taken out of the home by child services no. because of altercations. No. Okay. So Chelsea, Chelsea, sorry, supports her dad. She says Conrad and Savannah. Where is Savannah? Well, we don't hear from Savannah. The youngest. They weren't awake when Chelsea was awake and they weren't around for him the next day when he was acting all normal. So they are misjudging the situation. Dave's pastor also believes in him. His name is Sandy Brown. He also wears white khakis and a polo because that is chinos. They're chinos. chinos. That is is a color. Norm core. Sorry. Standard, I guess. It is pastor standard, I feel like, right? Yeah, I think that's... Pastored, off-duty pastor, standard club wear. Why do we see him? Why do we need to meet him? Can I ask you that? Well, we are reminded that he is a church-going fellow, and the pastor thinks he says he's not a monster that they're portraying him to be. He's a good man, a good father. No. What about all the money you've been stealing from your children? Maybe some of that money went to the church. Maybe. So he's tithing some of the stealings that he, yeah. Dave's parents, who are in their mm-hmm. 80s, take mm-hmm. over custody of Chelsea and Savannah. So so why not Conrad? Because Conrad, I think because Conrad is against the dad and they support their son. That is messed up. I'm super upset. And I have questions. For, first of all, okay, it has been 
this is also depending on how old Conrad is at this point. Conrad might be just about to turn 18. Yeah, that's possible. So let's hope that's the case because otherwise that is so cruel. Yeah. And could crush a young man's spirit, grandma and grandpa. And Mm -hmm. maybe if you took him in, you could talk to him about his dad and get to the root of what the problem is instead Mm -hmm. of being like, no, we're not. We're just taking the girls. Also, side note, two 80 year old people taking in two teenage girls. Keith says not how they plan to spend their 80s. Kimberly, here go hell come. Yeah. Are you kidding me? In Hanford? (laughs) They're going to set the house on fire. (laughs) This isn't going to go well. They're going to turn out to be those girls in the episode Mean Girls that we just covered. I'm not joking. They're going to run rampant. The grandma's like in a walker. They're in their 80s. And they live on an orchard. Oh, this is disaster. No, party time. Chelsea seems like a good kid. Despite her supporting her dad, she seems okay. She seems like it, but we don't know. We don't know. And we don't know what hell spawn Savannah is. I'm sure she's lovely. I bet Savannah's great. She decided to not speak. And I feel like... I respect that. I do too. I feel bad for the children. I feel bad for every single person involved, except for Dave. Except for Dave. So the parents are defending their son, Dave. He is... He's made some mistakes, Katie. The dad says, but nothing of the scope that is generally accepted in the community. Kimberly. I don't know what that sentence even means. in the world? He's made some mistakes, but nothing of the scope that is generally accepted in the community. So the mistakes that he made are like they're still illegal, but not like the murdering kind of illegal. Is that what he's saying? But he's saying he's made some mistakes, like embezzlement, but nothing of the scope that is accepted in the community. It's Hanford. I don't know what you want me to say. Is murder accepted in the community in Hanford? What's happening? I don't understand this sentence that he's saying. I don't think he meant to say that. I don't think he knew what those words meant. I think that might have been just he started saying words and that's what came out. You know, when Michael Scott says sometimes he he starts a sentence and then just he doesn't know where it's going to end. He just sort of goes along for the ride. And I just any time for any reason (laughs) under any circumstance is so good. That's that's the best. I think that's what's happening here. Yeah. So. Stan, who's wait a minute, wait a minute. Do you ever do that? I do that sometimes. If I forget, oh yeah, I do that on this podcast all the time. Me too. If I forget what I'm saying in the middle of a sentence and I gotta end it, I did that once too when I was at a play, and it's the only time (laughs) I've ever forgotten a line on stage. And it was a huge speech I had to give, and I blanked out at about sentence two. And it wasn't opening night; it was like somewhere in the middle of the run. I just blanked on this speech. And I just looked at the person I was on stage with and I said, well, that's what I believe. (laughs) And she looked at me. I was like, "Okay, we better just leave. So we both left the stage and then moved on to the next Well, that's what I believe. That's how it went. So that's what we're going to start using from now on. If you forget (laughs) what you're saying, just go with that. It worked. Nobody knew. It was great. On King of the Hill, when they go to a book club party, Peggy says, if you don't know what's happening, just say, I see what the author was going for, but... Oh, that's good. That's and then good. Just, just trail off. Oh, that, that seems 
very wise. Okay. So Stan, who's Dave's dad, says Dave had the right to use those funds to support the children. To which Keith says, really? <laughs> Were you surprised by how he spent them? And Stan says, yes. Apparently his financial situation was worse than I knew. You pay his salary. You know what his financial situation was. You're fixing your son's mistakes. Let him take care of himself. He's old enough to grow a robust mustache. He's old enough to take care of his finances. I don't buy this for a second. How does he have that house? You know what's happening. You know how much you're paying him. $500 a month. I'm sorry. Let's be clear. Those two parents bought him that house. 100%. And they're giving him a stipend that's probably off the books. And the 500 is what's going on the taxes. Yeah, exactly. Isn't the house on the almond? Yes, orchard? I think so. Okay. Well, yeah. there we go. Yeah. Right. This dad is just enabling his middle-aged son. And it's infuriating. Yeah. So a year passes in this gossipy limbo. No new evidence. Dave starts surveilling the surveillers. He is seen driving by the police station, cruising, looking, and driving by the investigators' homes. Wow. So the DA, the prosecutor, says it's kind of, he doesn't say it felt threatening, but he felt like things are escalating and they had to do something. That's super threatening. That's That's super. It's not great. That's bad. So they finally arrest him and the smirk in this man's mugshot, it's like the mustache is smiling and it's like a giant F you to the person taking the photo and to society. He is just tickled pink that he is charged with murder. He's charged with murder for financial gain and he goes to trial for the murder and the embezzlement charges. So a whole bunch of stuff. And he has so much confidence walking into trial in this suit. He is smirking up a storm. God grant me the confidence of a mediocre scammer white man with a mustache because I love to see it. Yeah, he really thinks he's the shizzle. He really does. The prosecutor's theory is he snuck out of the house to not wake his kids and someone gave him a ride to Debbie's house. Who? Someone. Who? Was it the girlfriend? Anne or whatever. Mary? Yeah, what's her name? Mary. They think he tased Debbie. She screamed because the neighbors heard a scream. He hit her. He suffocated her. They really have no idea because there's no body. This is really frustrating to hear. He dragged her body to the garage, put her in her own van, drove the van somewhere, disposed of her body, dropped the van off in Fresno, hoping it would get stolen. And then the person dropped him back off. I was frustrated even hearing this. Okay, I have reasonable doubt, and I'm not even the jury. Yeah. Suffocated her. Where is the accomplice? Right, and why don't you just not say suffocate? Being specific about how he did this with no evidence makes it seem like you're just making up a story. Right, I mean, there was a ton of blood. I don't know where they got suffocate from. Right, and we, he hit her with an object. We don't know what. Then we think he suffocated her. Like, everything is speculation. What You have nothing. What are you doing? There's no body. There's no forensics. Keith reminds us of this as he is leaning on nothing in court 
It's one of those leans that defies gravity. You and I defy gravity. He's, he's just leaning on the air. And he has two attorneys that they admit that it doesn't look good. They say he allegedly stole from his kids and said horrible things about a very likable victim. And everyone in the city knows about this case. And also the purple clad Debbie supporters wear purple to every court hearing. So I know every single one of those ladies (laughs) before the trial during jury selection. Some of the jury members say they've already decided he did it. And the judge is like, can I order you to undecide that? And they're like, sure, I'll try. What in the oh, Hanford. Hanford. I'll do my best, Judge. But they deny the change of venue. That's incorrect. That doesn't seem right because he's not going to get a fair trial there. As much as we hate him, he deserves a fair trial. The defense tries to get the financial charges to be brought in a different trial because they think it's prejudicial. It is. It is. But like they're saying... It's like telling the jury, like, a guy who'd steal money from his kids is likely to murder his wife. Come on. That's insane. It makes it seem exactly like that. What are you talking about? But because it was a motive for murder that they think it's all should be in the same trial, I guess. I don't think that's fair. I got to say, unfortunately, with murder for financial gain which is like a different charge than just murder. But that's not true. He didn't get any money from her death. What he got is he what got the cops He got to keep the think. money he had stolen. Well, he, they thought she was going to expose this thing. Yes. Right? Yes. So she, he would have gotten caught stealing all that money. And he was stealing it. Then that's not financial gain. That's just avoiding prison well no what if he has to pay back that money then he's losing money that he stole how are they proving this do you see what i'm saying all of this is real weak and i do not like him let me be very clear but i was disappointed with the case that was yeah the case is not great it made me extremely nervous the his defense attorneys say this wasn't a motive for murder because the financial embezzlement was already exposed there had been some sort of court document that had already stated that he was embezzling all this money. So it's even acknowledged by his defense team that he was embezzling all this money. Right. But they say it wasn't evidence of murder because it was already out there. But who had access to that court document? We'll have questions about that later that Keith brings up. So Keith, the Canadian, tells the defense attorneys We do have this great American saying, if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. But you're saying it's a turkey. That was maybe one of my favorite Keith quotes in a minute. Ever. So good. You're saying it's a turkey. And the defense says, well, it's the burden on them to prove it's a duck. And they didn't. He's like not happy. I really... They're ruining his analogy, but they are correct. <laughs> they are so correct. So the whole thing makes me grumpy. Yeah. yeah. But you're saying it's a turkey. Oh, boy, that's good. Gobble, uh, gobble. Gobble, right. gobble. <laughs> so they say there's no evidence Dave even left his house. 
Chelsea, the daughter, says she would have heard him leave. But the investigators say that one morning they went to the house to talk to the kids and it was so hard to wake them up. So they're all really heavy sleepers. I can believe that. I think teenagers are very heavy sleepers usually. I think they can be. Yeah. Yeah. The defense says, why would he take the risk to sneak out of the house, to drive over to her house, attack her, drive the car out to Fresno? He came back with no blood on him. We don't know if he did. We don't know if he has missing clothes or anything like that. But what happened to Debbie? What's the other solution? Who else got to Debbie? Maybe a drug addict went after the samples in her van. Well, the allergy meds. The allergy meds. And it was me. But the problem with that was she carried very few samples on her. And if it was some sort of robbery, why would they not take any of her jewelry or any of the electronics in the house? It doesn't make any sense. Were there samples at the house? Not a lot. She didn't keep a lot of samples on her, period. The defense plays a conversation with a friend. <laughs> okay, this is good. So the defense thinks this conversation helps their case. So they play this conversation that the police recorded where Dave is talking to a friend and he's saying, I tell you, if I was a bad guy, I'd throw somebody off a bridge. I'd toss them and they'd float downstream. why is the defense playing this? They think it makes him look innocent. Like, look, he doesn't even know what happened to her. Oh, Lord. Even the prosecutor is saying, why did they play that? Yeah, it's real weird. We should have played that. Yeah, it doesn't sound good. Why didn't we play that on our side? Also, again, he's not talking about Debbie. He's talking about a third person. If I was killing someone. And he says, I'd throw, I'd toss him and they'd float downstream. So Dave decides he wants to testify because he thinks he's charming AF. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. His lawyers say, absolutely not. They tell Keith (laughs) he's combative. He's prideful. He gets offended easily. He thinks he's super smart and he hates when anyone thinks he's not smart. He would be prime hunting season for any skilled prosecutor to go after him. Yeah. He will look like a grade A jerk on the stand. Also, those character traits they just described confirm. A liar, a thief, a cheese, combative, prideful, gets offended easily, thinks he's smarter than anyone in the room and hates when people think he's not smart. I mean, that describes the most unpleasant personality. He's incredibly unlikable. Wow. But he does want to sit down with Dateline. Thank goodness. Of course he does. Okay, look, he thinks he's fantastic. Yeah. He, he He's like mad and thinks he knows better than his lawyers. So he's like, well, I'm going to do a public interview. Yes, correct. This is the best gift that he could have given us other than Alexis and a trip to Hawaii. So he tells Keith he didn't have the motive or the capacity. People are just misinterpreting everything to make him look guilty. So at this point, you notice his lower lip is very dry. And I was wondering, is his upper lip that dry? And that's what he's protecting it by covering it with moisturized locks of hair. I did not notice. It's very cracked. So he says they're just bringing up financial shenanigans that didn't exist in the first place. What? Shenanigans are stealing hundreds of thousands of dollars from your children. Sure. He said, my dad made the terms of the trust broad so that he could, I could use the money for the health, education, support, 
and maintenance of the children. It's like he's listing off the things on a car's warranty. Yeah, it really is. The support and maintenance of the children. He's like reading the terms and agreements. Yeah. Of the trust. The children's upkeep. Yeah. Yeah. He says, I acted legally in that respect. And they also misinterpreted what, well, you think he kind of acted legally. I mean, I think, no, I I don't think that he did what he just said he did, which is acted legally in the respect that I used it for the children. No, you didn't. But I'm not sure if the county has the right to sue him. That's what I'm saying. I this gotcha. seems like the his dad would have to take him to court right. for misusing the funds. Yeah. This doesn't seem like a county matter. I see. That's what I said. He says they also misinterpreted what I said about throwing a body off a bridge. My point was they didn't look for her. If someone had thrown her off a bridge, it... He Mm -hmm. says it, which is what I used to call my brother when I was a child and he was a baby. Don't like that. My aunt loves that story. She came to the house. She said, where's your baby brother? And apparently I said, it's upstairs. That's not good. You know that, right? (laughs) That does not sound pleasant. No, I sound like demon seed. It makes you sound a little bit unlikable. (laughs) He says if someone would have thrown her body off a bridge, it would have floated downstream. And Keith says, mm. so did you throw her off a bridge? Yeah. And Dave laughs like this Ugh. is so funny. We've never seen him laugh before. It's even more disturbing than the frowning. He says, no, I didn't throw anybody off a bridge, which again is that third party thing. Why is he doing that? What does that mean? What does He's that mean? dehumanizing her as a person, which I think is the easiest way for him to feel like he's telling the truth that he didn't do anything. Oh, That's okay, what I okay, think. Okay. Or he didn't even think of her as a person anyways. He thought of her as a problem. And Oh, that's probably true too. Good yeah. point. So he says, when I said it might not be over until that blank blank is dead, he said, I might have. I don't remember that, but it doesn't mean I killed somebody. Again, somebody. Somebody. Yeah, you're totally right. That's very odd. Yeah. Never says Debbie. I never killed Debbie. Mm -hmm. He never says her name. I would love it if Keith had asked, did you love your wife? Yeah. Well, she was kind of fun. She was short. Did I mention she was short and attractive? Yeah. She had a kind of good sense of humor. I hate him. So Conrad misinterpreted the wine cheersing thing. Because apparently every time they open a bottle of wine, they toast. It's tradition. I find that really irritating. Like it's their special tradition that they're the only ones who do this. You're basic, Dave. (laughs) And also, I've never initiated a cheers in my life because it just feels cringy to me. So cringe. Why? I think some people can do it. I have trouble looking people in the eyes. Let's be real. I don't do it. It's a talent. If people do it, I'll do it. But I I would never initiate. I'll begrudgingly go along with the cheers, but I'm usually very grumpy about it. Why? Because you don't like pleasant things? Yeah. Like people being friendly? Friendship? Yes. All of the above. But yeah, so he says every time we open a bottle of wine, and there's the fact that there's cheese and crackers too, And they're out on the patio having this great night. And this is a day after 
the mother disappeared with the blood everywhere. Conrad was not wrong when he said it was poor taste. It's very poor taste. He's not wrong. It's poor taste. But again, Dave says, we were not toasting, get this, anybody's anything. We were just toasting. We weren't toasting anybody's anything. Who hurt you, Dave? Say Debbie's demise. You were toasting Debbie's demise. Say her name. What's wrong with him? Because this is wrong. That's really annoying. I'm glad Dateline made her name in the title because she deserves to have her name heard. And me too. That's a good point. He never says her name. That's so creepy. So Conrad misinterpreted that. And he doesn't know why Conrad doesn't believe in him, believes that he's guilty. He knows I was home that night not doing anything illegal. What? Say I was home that night not killing his mom. Say what you're being accused of. But why does he think he can't say that? He's like speaking in generalities like it's not true if he doesn't say anything specific. I wasn't doing anything illegal. You're being accused of murder. Is it a respect thing for Debbie? Is he putting Debbie down? Or is it something where he thinks he can't get himself in hot water if he speaks in generalities? He's got to be doing it for a reason. I think it's a coping mechanism and it's a way of lying. It's like George Costanza. It's not a truth. It's not a lie if you believe it. Which oh, is, really? Yeah. You think that's what he's doing? I think it's some sort of weird mind game that he has convinced, convinced himself of. So you think he does kind of feel bad about it then? No, I think it's so he doesn't get caught. And he can keep his story straight if he keeps referring to it in these like generalities and not say her name. I also think he's so used to saying her name with vitriol in his voice oh. that he's probably realized that that's a bad look. And he shouldn't go on Dateline and say her name because he probably doesn't say Debbie. He probably says Debbie because he Mm. hates her. You're probably right. That's a good point. Okay. So he says, I think Conrad is just angry and needs to fill in the blanks with something to make it make sense. And Keith says, maybe Conrad's angry because his dad killed his mom. Oh, my God. I was like, ah, I screamed out loud. (laughs) What in the world? Keith, I love whatever you're doing. Whatever you're doing, if you've started drinking too much coffee or you're getting off coffee, whatever it is, keep it up. I love it. So Dave sighs, which is the first part where he's getting, the anger is like boiling up to his mustache and he's trying to let the anger not go to his forehead because when it does, then it's over and we will see what a monster he is. So He's like sighs, like he's trying to control himself. And he says, his dad didn't kill his mom, though. Again, third person. I didn't kill his mom. His dad didn't kill his mom is what he says. Keith says, he thinks so, though. And Dave says, he could be wrong. Could be wrong. Could be wrong. Dave, it's not that you're not doing yourself any favors. You're less than that. Yeah, you're actively hurting yourself. You're actually making yourself look guiltier if that was possible. Yeah. He says that the real suspect should be this ex-boyfriend that Debbie had that was stalking her. He says the police didn't look at it. The police say they definitely looked at it. But he's saying it in the most annoying way possible. Like, maybe they should look into that. Huh? Maybe they should look into that, Keith. Huh? A stalker? And Keith is like, stalker, really? 
Now, Keith puts on his reading glasses down they come from? on his nose. I love this. There was one episode where he read to us out of a newspaper with his glasses down on his nose. Do you remember this? And it was so like he should have had patches on his elbows and a smoking pipe. It was amazing. I very much like the reading glasses. Love it. So he's reading what the prosecutors are saying, which is he killed her basically to cover up for embezzling the funds. And Dave says, well, they say a lot of things. And Keith interrupts him and says, which is smart because he's pushing Dave's buttons. Dave Mm -hmm. does not like to be interrupted. No. And Keith says, well, wouldn't you be afraid that your dad would find out that you were siphoning these funds? So this brings up that other motive, which is like they say it was already brought to the court's awareness that he was siphoning funds, but maybe his dad wasn't aware of it. And it was his dad's money and his dad was in charge. And this was chance number two. Yes, exactly. Right. So Dave looks down and breathes and is basically saying, don't kill Keith Morrison on national television (laughs) because that will not be good look for my case. He says to Keith. He's so testy. I really don't like how you're characterizing these things. And I really don't like how the prosecutors are characterizing these things. It's like a therapist told him to vocalize how he's feeling. It hurts my feelings, Keith, when you say these things. It's like he has a puppet. Like no one gives an F about your feelings. We don't care. So he's like, and you're saying Keith Morrison I don't like the way you're characterizing these things. And Keith says, whether you like it or not, those are the accusations. Wow. Basically, it's not about your feelings. These are accusations in a court of law. We're allowed to talk about them. And Dave says, they are wrong. They are false. What part of that don't you understand? Take it down a notch. Whoa. Yeah. Take several seats. Calm down. I was irritated. And Keith raises him and says, there we go. What part don't I understand? Oh, I'm Keith mother effing Morrison. (laughs) He doesn't say that. I really wish he had. He says, what I understand is that you bought Alexis, took a trip to Hawaii with your girlfriend using trust fund money. That's what I understand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You paid divorce fees and paid back the first trust fund that you stole from with the second trust fund that you were stealing from. Mm -hmm. And Dave says the money used was for the children and Keith very calmly deadpan, which child drove the Lexus. And Dave says all three children were driven in the Lexus and without missing a beat, Keith says, which child went on vacation to Hawaii? Oh, and Dave says, maybe that was my own money. I was like, what, on your six grand a year? You're going to Hawaii? He says, maybe that was my own money. Prosecutors didn't bother to see what dollar went where, did they? And Keith says, well, you kind of made it hard for them mixing up the trust fund money with your money. And frankly, that's what scam artists do. Wow. And then he doesn't lay up. He keeps it. The hits keep on coming. He's like in a rap battle. He's basically just going for it. And it's like the end of Eight Mile. And he's like, why didn't you just get a job? And Dave goes, 
I have a job. And Keith says, I'm talking about a job that supports your family, which is what a dad does. What the what? (laughs) This is Kimberly is not paraphrasing. No, this is word for word what Keith Morrison, Keith mother effing Morrison is saying to Dave. Ladies and gentlemen, Keith Morrison is personally offended by stupid Dave Hawk. And all of his shenanigans. Because Keith, I think, is a very good dad. And he won't abide by this. I think that Keith tries. And I don't think Keith would ever say that he himself was a good dad. But I think he would say that he tries to do his best. And I think he is personally offended that this man is such a poor, not just dad, but human. And is doing such a terrible job of representing himself. Like, terrible. Yeah. What's wrong with you? Oh, my God. I'm talking about a job that supports your family, which is what a dad does. And Oliver's like, oh, <laughs> it was like a smackdown. It is. It's like constantly Keith is dropping the mic, picking it up, dropping it again, picking it up, it dropping it again. That mic is broken because it's been dropped so many times. Just prepare yourselves if you're watching this after we talk about it. Just prepare yourself for this interview. It's like nothing I've ever seen. It's unbelievable. Dave sighs again, says his inner mantra, which is don't murder the reporter on TV and says, you're reading from a script that the prosecutors gave you. And none of those things are true, which, again, Keith does not like when you insult his integrity like that by saying you're just going along with the script of the prosecutors. Right. Keith is his own man. He does his own research and he knows what he thinks. The jury does not agree that these are not true. They find him guilty. He has no reaction. He just blinks and swallows a couple times. He's guilty of murder and nine financial crimes. Wow. He gets life behind bars. His attorney appeals all the way up to the Supreme Court, which said no. He's so unlikable. He needs to stay where he is. We saw his interview on Dateline. We don't like the way he treated Keith Morrison. Absolutely not. Right. And then 10 years. Oh, this is the 2016 update. Mm -hmm. 10 years after Debbie's remains are found on a farm one town over from where Dave grew up. Where did Dave grow up? I don't know. So he didn't push her over a bridge. The saddest part is that Debbie's dad, who we never really get to talk to, had a dying wish to see her body brought home. He was waiting for it. And then after her body was brought home, he died a week after because he's like, I made it. I got to bring my girl home. Now I can go. That's completely heartbreaking. It's so heartbreaking. And Conrad says there's a rift now in the family between him and his sisters. And it's very hard and it's heartbreaking. I feel bad for them, but I especially love Conrad. I do, too. And we see Conrad walking a little bit at the end. And I was like, oh, Conrad, I really hope he's okay." And Oliver just goes, he's not. And I was like, what do you mean? What do you mean he's not? He's okay." You know what? I think Oliver's wrong. I do, too. I always think Oliver's wrong anyways. But I that's absolutely not true. Wow. Is that not true? And if (laughs) Oliver and I were actually in a fight. I would probably not tell you because I would think you'd take his side. That's how much that's not true, which is probably the correct side to take because I am normally wrong. But 
regardless, I think Conrad is so well-spoken. I would not be surprised if he's in college right now. Me too. And you know what? He doesn't even have to be in college. I think that Conrad's got a real clear head. Mm -hmm. And I think that he might see this as a motivation to really do something with his life. I think so, too. And maybe if he has a family, he will be a better dad. And he's proven what a lot of family members that are at much older of age than a teenager on Dateline, which is he has critical thinking skills and is able to not just accept the blanket statements from his dad, which is hard for people to do. You know, people tend to follow what their parents think for a while until they come around. He's come around really early and like sees through his dad's BS. The thing that stinks the most about this is that he could really actually help his sisters. Yeah. Especially now that their dad is in prison. It'd be great for them to have an older brother. Like they kind of need to, their mom's gone. Yeah. They need to stick by each other. Yeah. They need to be in this together because that's, you know, you need family. Yeah. I'm hoping that that relationship can get healed somehow. Absolutely. And I hope that Dave's parents come around because they're probably putting a lot of thoughts in the kids' heads, too. I don't know. Do you think the parents helped him? Who helped him? Was it Mary? Mary, Mary, quite guilt-trary? Probably the smartest thing they could have done was swab the Lexus. Yeah. And see who had been and swab the parents' cars. Like, get the cars. But it was the van that she was transported in. But maybe he had blood on him. Right. And he sat in the other car. If a drop of her blood is in any of those other cars, there's your case right there. And you know what happened. I am kind of shocked they were able to come back with a guilty verdict. That's how much they didn't like him, though. And how I'm surprised he didn't win on an appeal, too, because it shows how unfair. I mean, why wouldn't he be able to get that appealed if a jury member literally says, I already think he's guilty? That sounds like an appeal waiting to happen. Absolutely. That's how unlikable he is, Kimberly. (laughs) And he didn't even he didn't even take the stand and his unlikability transferred to the jury just through laser beams coming from his mustache. They didn't even need to see him on the stand to hate him. Because he's overconfident. So he walked in in that suit and like Mm -hmm. did his little swagger, Mm -hmm. smirking. And if he doesn't react correctly to things that are sad, if he smirks or does something like that, the jury is going to hate him. Yeah, he's that unlikable that he doesn't even need to take the stand. Yeah. But I kind of wish he had taken the stand and it was on camera. No, absolutely not. I need more. I need less. I need none. Let's do some B-roll bonanza. Okay, let's do it. What do we have? What's happening in this episode? Lots of farms. So so mark off like cow B-roll on your bingo cards. Yeah, for Search sure. Search party bingo on your bingo cards. We see a lot of like graphs of... Yeah, pie chart. Pie charts and financial graphs of accounts in Morgan Stanley. Kind of the same one over and over, right? Yes. And then we see his 2004 tax return form. Mm-hmm. And and then this photo of him standing in front of the biggest pile of almonds. I thought they were pistachios I've ever seen. Because they were blanched. They're white looking. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. I'm not nut savvy. We see the parents looking through a photo album. We see a giant billboard. In an album with pink pages. With pink pink pages in this album pink pages you see that i love that yeah they weren't normal it was like the the inside of the album was cut color 
I've never seen that before. We see Stan and Lois Hawk, who are his parents. And Stan, Lois is on a walker and Stan walks around the car and opens the door for her of the car. Both of the parents are equally adorable. I just have some questions for the Hawks. I have many questions for the Hawks. Is he an only child? He's got to be, right? We're looking at an only child, aren't we? I think so. Okay. I wouldn't be surprised. That he's been consistently lying to his parents, too. Yeah. Because they don't know about his financial. Like, the dad seemed totally caught off guard. But he's already done it once. Why are you giving him another chance? Because I think that he lied. I think that he told a really good story when it happened the first time and kind of kept them out of it and was like, no, she and he's blaming it all on Debbie. Yep. Yeah. But Debbie was probably a lovely daughter-in-law. Probably, but she was really talkative. And if the parents weren't quiet, remember, they said she thought she was grand. Who knows what they thought? You know, and he's telling them all this bad stuff. So they're going to believe their precious son with his mustache and not believe, you know, Debbie who stole their son away. That's a good point. There's this photo of Dave and Debbie. And as Keith's voiceover is saying, he eliminated his wife. Her image in the photo disappears like in Back to the Future when his photo keeps his image keeps disappearing. Yeah, it was pretty good. I forgot about that. I, I thought I liked the graphics there. That was clever. I was impressed. Brands unhappy on being on Dateline are now associated with murder. Off brand polo shirts. Are they off brand? We don't know. They never had the logo. They never had the little horsey. They weren't polo and they weren't Lacoste. We did not see a polo, an alligator, or a tiger, which are the three that I can identify, that most people can identify right away. Like a Costco three-pack? Costco three-pack and khaki shorts. Khakis. Long. Sorry, the khaki shorts are to the knee. They're to the knee, yeah. They're not shorty shorts. They're longy longs. They're dad shorts. and Yeah, they're dad shorts. The white socks with white tennis shoes. Fun fact. My dad, my family and I went to Catalina Island like several years ago, and my dad was wearing like a peach polo shirt and khaki shorts and tennis shoes and socks. Yeah, that seems right. And a cap of some sort, which is weird. He doesn't wear caps normally, like a baseball hat. And I started seeing other men dressed in the exact same outfit that I kept thinking were my dad. I started taking pictures of them. And at the end of the day, I had found five different men wearing the same peach colored polo with the same khaki shorts and the same socks and tennis shoes and the same hat Mm -mm. on the island. That is dad core. You know, what's funny is that when you were describing the outfit to me, I was like, that seems like if I was to think about what a dad would wear to Catalina, yeah. that's the outfit. Yes. It's like that dad fashionistas of Instagram, whatever that is. Inst- they stopped doing that account years ago, but I still follow them and look at it because the hashtags are so funny. Legs for days. Sun's out, guns out. You know, these socks are Prada with a special anti-rolling down technology. And these khakis are slimming and form fitting at the same time. Work it, girl. You know, <laughs> I love it so much. That's great. It's so funny. So speaking of fashion, please. Yeah. All of his outfits. We've already done it. Also, Keith's. I just want to bring up Keith's glasses one more time, because not only are the frames like really 
good on him. They're like a perfect frame for his length of face and jaw and everything. But he uses them to great effect. He keeps pulling them off and doing that, like, you know, that serious, like he, he whips them around a little bit, which I find very effective. Does he ever put the tip in his mouth? I didn't see it. I looked for it, but he does bring them down at a very key point. He like finishes reading and takes them off to look him in the eye. Like, explain yourself. He could be a lawyer. He has all the lawyer moves down. He doesn't need to be a lawyer. No, I mean, he's great at what he does. I'm just saying he could do more things. True. He could be both. The sky's the limit, really. That is true. Yeah. With those glasses and that leaning. Any other fashion, please? No. Are you avoiding titles? No, I have titles. You do? They're not good. Mine aren't that great either. I didn't do it. You didn't do it? I didn't do a chance for anything. <laughs> oh, okay, good. Yeah, there's no chance for Dave. Wow. Yeah. The one where Keith fights with a mustache. I knew you were going to do that. I almost did it. I almost did. The one where Keith gets sassy. <laughs> almonds? Something with almonds or nuts? I forgot about almonds. I did not get there. What about a facial hairy situation? Okay. I've probably done that one before. You definitely. Yep. Yeah. But I tried to pretend like you did. Here's my real title, which I think could have been the title. Except I love the Debbie's Nabins in the title. Mm-hmm. This is a real one. Betrayal of Trust Funds. That's good. I did Mistrust Funds. There we go. Could be either or. Mm-hmm. That was good. Mm-hmm. Same wavelength. Why did I do Hot Gone Quackers? I don't know where <laughs> I was trying to go with that. We oh, don't because, know about that. Because he's a hawk. Dave Hawk. Yeah. But he's a turkey. But he's a turkey. He's not quackers. He's he, a turkey. He's a turkey. If it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck and you're saying it's a turkey. Okay. How about if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck? Probably a turkey hawk. There we go. Because I think a turkey hawk is a thing. Yeah. Turkey hawk. Oh, it better flip and be. Okay. Anyways, purple with anger instead of red with anger. And then I had hawk without a prey. And I was trying to do a play on prayer, but it didn't go anywhere. Right, because he does have prey. It's it was so Debbie. it would be hawk's prey. Hawk's prey instead of. But I wanted to also hawk's prey er, p r a y and p r e y. Right, and then a parentheses e r. It's a figure out this title from the words I've given you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Let me know. It's a challenge to our listeners. So create your own adventure type thing. Create your own title from these things. Or if you can get somewhere with Hawk and a handsaw, you get a big point. Because I was trying for a minute with that one. And of course, I couldn't. It doesn't work. I don't even. Is that an expression? Yeah, it's a Shakespeare thing. It's very Faust. But what was What am I trying to say? Faustian bargain is what it sounded like you were trying to say. And I, don't <laughs> I was think that's trying correct. to say the metamorphosis. Thing. Oh, God, Kafka-esque. Kafka-esque. Oh, Gregor Samsa. Why'd you do it to me? I got to make a shirt. I'm going to make some shirts. Okay, anyways, that was a good episode, though. Nice choice. Thank you. And you know what I really want to say? That's just my opinion. Isn't that what you're supposed to say at the end of a sentence where you don't know where it's going? That's what I believe. That's what I believe. Well, that's what I believe. And well, that's leave. what I believe. Mic drop. Bye. Got to get out of there. You got to go. If that's the end, that's it. That's it. Everyone follow us on social media and check out our Patreon where we do live streams every month at our $10 level and our $5 level and above. You get 
an extra episode every month. And returning at the end of this month will be the Drag Brunch at our $10 level. It will not be every single week, but I will try to do it a couple of times a month and keep updated on Drag Race All-Stars. I'm so excited. And she does her makeup. Yes. And I have some ideas for this time. She does like tutorials. It's so fun. I'm going to perfect the Katya face, which don't not to be confused with Katya the drag queen. This is my new. Yes, you're I'm Kimber. You're Katya. Yeah, that Kimber has coined me. So it's just unfortunate that it happens to be an unbelievably popular drag queen. I've given you options. You don't have to be Katya. You could be whoever you want to be. I'm sorry. What's the other option? Well, I gave you the option of picking something else. That's not an option. <laughs> You have to pick myself. The whole world is your oyster. You can pick any name in the world. Well, it's too, it's too late now. I've already I've already taken this one. So not really officially. There was no naming ceremony or anything. It's in the podcast. It's no one's picked up on it. It's fine. You've also said that that's what you sometimes call me in your head. OK, we'll discuss it later. It's too anxiety ridden and I'm already all stressed out because of the mustache. So. <laughs> he was so unlikable. Can I say it again? He it's- is so unlikable. I want everyone to leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts if they haven't and I want it to say and you're trying to say it's a turkey or and that's just how I feel. What is it? <laughs> that's what I believe. And that's what I believe. This podcast is great and that's what I believe. And that's what I believe. Period. Walk off. Was really unfortunate. What wait? What was the Keith the, the really big bomb that Keith dropped? Um, get a job. Why didn't you just get a job? I mean, a job that supports your family. Which oh, or it was there were so many. Or he said maybe he's upset because his dad killed his mom. No, it was the job that. Why don't you no a job that supports your family like a real dad? Yeah. Wow. So good. Like a slap. Or, um, you could feel which the kid slap. went on vacation to Hawaii? It. Let's put it this way. It's the first time in a long time Dateline has made me like, oh, go in on myself and like not be able to watch the screen very much. Like, <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't look directly at Keith because I was like <gasps> the confrontation was so hot that it was burning my retinas. It was a lot. I love it. Yeah, it was really good. Nice work. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. And that's what I believe. Perfect. Bye. Bye. Oh, my mom wants you to know she totally knows Chico's and whatever that other brand that I said she didn't know was. Merle something? Merle Norman? Yeah. They've been around forever. When so did she, we talk about Merle Norman? I don't Where know. Where was, was I? In a most recent episode. She she just listened to it. Yeah. Okay. She's like, she texts me on her walk. I totally know about Chico's. Oh, of course she does. And then one of the jury members got mad at who snapped their fingers? Somebody snapped their fingers and she did not like it. What? The jury member that said she snapped at us. Do you not remember this? No. Are you serious? Yeah. The older lady jury member. Said who snapped at them? She. She said she. I don't know who it was. Oh my gosh. You missed it. Hang on. I'll find it really quick. I'll give you the time code. Keep talking. It was amazing. It was like, it was ridiculous. I was like, what? You can't. Get Who mad snapped? because somebody snapped their fingers. The judge? Nope. It was somebody for the defense. The two defense guys were male. No. It, yeah, but it was. Uh, hang on. I'll tell you. I'm just not. Uh, I don't remember who she said she snapped her fingers. Was it his mom? Was it? I don't remember. Oh, 
This is so funny. Why don't I remember this? I don't know. I'm surprised you didn't bring it up. It was I don't remember cr- any was... interviews with the jury. What? Yeah. Where's the jury? Are you sure it's from this episode? Yes, it's the only one I watched. Nope, it's not from this episode. I am so sorry. Adam, take all of that out. That is from the stupid Michael Jackson trial. All right. Take it out. Sorry, sorry. And like they I seriously watched two trials today and I didn't think it was from the Michael Jackson one. Okay. <laughs>